some of the things that we learn uh, in our schooling, you know, through from kindergarten all the way through grade 12, some of the stuff that we learn in that period of our lives proves to be really helpful in, in the later parts of our life, in our, in our, in adulthood. Um, really helpful stuff like reading. Uh, we learned to do that in school. Uh, basic writing skills, basic math. Uh, beyond, beyond the educational stuff in the classroom, we even learn a lot of stuff in, in, in elementary school and high school. Uh, personal, interpersonal dynamics, like learning how just to, to function in society and function in culture. You learn, you learn that in, in high school and school. And so we carry that stuff into our uh, adult lives and we, we continue to need to read and need to write and need to use basic things in, in math. Helpful stuff that we learn. But there are some things, some not so helpful things that we learn in school that don't seem to have any bearing on our lives immediately after we learn them. For example, uh, parallelograms. <laughs> parallelograms. Um, there's a great meme out that shows us the connection between learning parallelograms in geometry and math and having no bearing on our lives today. Um, if you're not sure what a meme is, uh, let me be the first to welcome you to the year 2020. Great to have you with us. Um, a meme, a meme uh, by definition is a, is a humorous image, it's a video or it's a piece of text uh, that is copied often, often with slight variations and spread rapidly by internet users. Memes. I fancy myself as a meme connoisseur, uh, but besides the point. Here's this meme, uh, I'll just explain it to you, um, what it says. It says this, uh, I'm glad I learned about parallelograms instead of how to do taxes. It's really come in handy this parallelogram season. And it's hilarious because we do taxes every year as adults and we don't learn about taxes in school. Um, we learn about parallelograms in school and after we learn them, they have almost pretty much zero impact in our lives whatsoever. What's the point? me telling you this. Well, sometimes we learn less important things in our life that don't really impact our lives. And sometimes we don't learn some of the most important things that will actually impact our lives. We don't get exposed to learning those things. In this message uh, today, we're going to learn something that I wish every single person was taught uh, in childhood in their adolescent years, in their adult years. This is stuff that I wish that were taught, not just on a, a, a one-time experience, but refreshed and, and relearned and remember on and on and on again, because it's so vital. It's connection to how we live and understand our lives. Vital, vital. Um, so here's the, the hope for this message. Uh, the stuff that we're going to be looking at, that I'm going to be showing you tonight, can impact your life forever. You know, sometimes preachers uh, can uh, exaggerate. This is no exaggeration. The stuff that we're going to learn can impact your life now and forever. And here's the second part of my hope for this message, that it will not only just change uh, your life. I believe that God will use this and can use what we're going to learn tonight to change your lives. But my prayer is that you would be so impacted by what you hear that it will not only change your life, that you'll understand it, and then God might be able to use you to teach what you learn, to actually have it impact other people's lives as well. That's my, my hope. Um, our series that we're in, uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, we're in chapter 23. Our text for tonight, our main text is going to be found in verses 25 to 28. So Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28. And I want to give you guys the, uh, it's a four-point sermon tonight. Uh, I want to give you the four points up front, and then we'll hit them one at a time. So to give you an, an overview of where we're going. Uh, point number one, we're going to identify the source of humanity's problems. Small task, I know, but we're going to do that tonight in point one. Identify the source of humanity's problems. Secondly, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight humanity's feeble attempts to fix our own problems. We're going to highlight humanity's feeble attempts to fix our own problems. 
And it's at this second point where we're going to spend most of our time looking at our text. We're going to connect our text in Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28, right into this second point. And you're going to see that more clearly when we get there. Uh, The third point in this message, uh, I'm going to give you the solution to humanity's problems. We're covering a lot of ground here tonight, as you can see. And then our fourth point, we're going to troubleshoot what to do when the problem is still there in our life after we've received the solution to it. We're going to troubleshoot it. We recognize the problem, receive the solution, but then realize that there's still some problems left. We're going to do some troubleshooting in point four. So that, that, that's where we're going in this message. So let's, let's dive in. I'm going to identify the source of humanity's problems. The source of humanity's problems. If you're a, a Christian, if you're a brother or sister in Christ watching this message right now, uh, I want to take you back as we identify the source of our problems prior to you coming to know Jesus. So this is pre-Jesus, pre-salvation for you. If you're, a, if you're a friend and a guest watching this service with us and, you, and you're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus, this is going to explain to you the source. We're going to identify the source of your problems in your life. So for the Christian, this is pre-Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, we're going to identify, we're going to find out what's going on and what's wrong. So we're going to do a little bit of an exercise to do this. Um, you guys picture in your mind a uh, metal detector. Uh, a metal detector, you see... Uh, People who have the uh, get-rich mentality, right? They, they buy the trusty metal detector. They go to the beach and, and, they, and they put the little plate at the end of the stick near the ground and they're trying to find hidden treasure. And it'll have a normal tone to the, to the metal detector. It'll go beep, beep, beep. And if there is no metal, but as soon as it starts to come to some metal, what does it do? Ramps up, right? Beep, beep. And then you know you found what you're looking for. That's a metal detector. What we're going to use here to, to identify uh, the source of humanity's problems, we're going to use a problem detector, okay? A problem detector. Now, to help us find the source of our problems. So now you're, you're sitting where you are watching this. Now just imagine in front of you all the potential sources of the problems in your life. Think of, think of them all, all in front of you okay, in this exercise. You have um, your spouse or your potentially, uh, or, your, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, or your singleness sometimes is a, is a source of people's problems, they think, uh, or your kids or your lack of kids. Uh, maybe it's your boss or fellow employees. Uh, maybe it's your, yeah, your coworkers. Um, maybe your friends are the source of your problem right now. Maybe it's your enemies. Maybe it's your finances over here or, or the economy. Maybe it's the, the, the government or the police out there. Maybe they're, they're the problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's your vices, you know, you know, drugs or alcohol or sex or gambling or whatever that is. Maybe, maybe that's the source of your problem. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's the weather. And then I, I said a whole bunch of things, but fill in the gap of, of a substitute in there for yourself, whatever problems you might think exist. And they're all out there somewhere. Okay. They're all out there. Now, let's use our problem detector for a second, okay? They're all out here, and we've got our problem detector with the, the, the pack here and the long stick and the plate, right? And let's see if we can detect any problems, okay? They're all out there. I listed them all. They're all in front, okay? Beep, 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 beep. See where this is going? Beep. It's not, it's not picking up anything. The problem detector is not recognizing problems when we're putting it to all these things that potentially we think would be the source of our problems. Doesn't doesn't pick up any kind of response, which is odd because we just put a whole bunch of things that are major problems in our lives. And so what do we do? Okay, maybe this maybe this problem uh, detector is defective, um, but something happens. You're leaving it on, okay, and then. It's on, it's powered on, and you and you just you're gonna put it down, but as you put it down, you're turning it, you're turning it, and, and the stick with the plate is coming, it's moving closer towards you. You're just you're putting it down in an awkward way, but you're putting it down so that it's facing you. And as as the plate comes around from checking out all these things and it's coming close to you, what do you think happens when it comes right to here? 
I'll tell you what happens. It goes like this. It goes, beep, 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 beep. It starts smoking, sparking, and then it explodes. As the plate is put directly over your heart, and as I put it directly over my heart, the beeps increase with frequency as we get closer to our hearts because our hearts are the problem. Our heart is the problem, not our physical heart, not not the organ in our chest cavity that that pumps blood all throughout our body. I'm not talking about the organ. I'm talking about our spiritual heart, the seat of your and mine, the seat of our emotion and our will, our, our invisible person, who we are on the inside. The invisible part of you that drives your life. The invisible part of me that drives my life. Jesus made this really clear that this is the source of our problem. It's not what's on the outside of you that's the problem, Jesus says, but it's what is on the inside of you that is. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verses uh, 10 to 11, and also in verses 17 to 20. Let me read this for us. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, starting in verse 7, go down to verse 17. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These things are the major problems in our world today. These are the problems. And Jesus is saying they don't originate outside of us. They originate on the inside of us. Our heart is the problem. It produces our problems from the inside. You might be hearing this and then you might be asking the question, yeah, okay, but what if I'm just minding my own business and someone actually outside of me, outside of my heart, actually does something uh, immoral or wicked or evil towards me? Isn't that a problem that's outside of, of me and my heart? Uh, yes and no. Let me let me try to uh, address that. If someone does something wicked to you, what's the source of that problem? It's their heart. Their heart is producing that wickedness that's being levied against you. Still, that has nothing to do with you yet. But here's where the mo- here's where the stuff that happens against us and to us, where it becomes compounded and it becomes a real issue. Because we have we have. Unfortunate things happen to us all the time. We have wicked things and unjust things, unjust things happen to us all the time. Everyone does. But here's where it gets really messy, really bad, really fast. Not necessarily the stuff being done to us, but what? How do you respond to those things? How do you respond to those things when they happen against you? When someone does you wrong, big or small, does your heart produce anger, vengeance, Despair, violence, abuse, denial. Stuff happens to us, but our heart produces the response that we don't respond the way that we ought to to those things. And that compounds it and makes that experience far greater against you and for you than it would be if we had hearts that knew how to respond properly to things. If left unchecked and undealt with, our heart is what produces the things that keep us separated from God if we haven't come into a relationship with him yet, if this, if this thing is not addressed, this, this, this producer of, this, of the wicked and the evil and the, and the problems, if it's not left, if it's not addressed, we're in, we're in big trouble. So whatever you do, friends, brothers and sisters, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. If I had a quarter... For every time I've heard people in person or on social media or whatever 
say a, a kind of phrase similar to this, man, I just got to follow my heart. I just got to do what feels right. And I, and the amount of times I've typed things and then erased them or, or had to bite my tongue. Cause if I had a quarter for every time I'd be a rich, rich man. Our world lives this way. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's propagated. It's, it's, it's promoted. Follow your heart. Do what makes you feel right. Do what you, what you think is right. And what we've learned so far is we, we cannot, should not follow our hearts because our hearts are the source of the problem. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Our hearts trick us. They deceive us. They don't lead us down the right path. What feels good in the moment isn't always the thing that's the good thing and the right thing in the short term or the long term. But we live in a culture where it's, where it's promoted and celebrated. Hey, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. And what I'm trying to do for us right now is to identify the source of humanity's problems. And it all begins here. And so that's point one. Here's point two. I'm going to highlight humanity's feeble attempts to fix our problems on our own. We have a heart problem inside of us, something broken, something spiritually unclean, producing these things from the inside of us. That's what Jesus says. So how do we go about fixing it once we know that the problem uh, has been made plain to us? Well, this is where we're going to come to our text. Matthew chapter 23, uh, verses 25 to 28. Um, Here's a little bit of context. Uh, This is in this scene. Jesus is at the tail end of his three to three and a half year public ministry. Um, He's been going around from town to town all throughout Israel, teaching and preaching and and displaying the power of the kingdom of heaven through signs and wonders and and miracles of all sorts. And he's been doing that for about three and a half years. But now his public ministry is coming to an end. It's Wednesday now, two days before his crucifixion. He's in Jerusalem. Uh, It's at Passover. It's packed. Uh, in chapter 23 of Matthew's gospel is, is, is documenting a, a back and forth that Jesus has been having with the religious leaders of his day as they're trying to entrap him, as they're trying to discredit him, as they're trying to prove him as a fraud, as a phony, and ultimately they want to have him destroyed. That's the tension and that's the scene that we're, that we're in right now with Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew 23 is pronouncing a series of woes upon the religious leaders judgment upon them for their refusal to believe in him. God has come in the person of Jesus, wrapped himself up in flesh and come to people and they reject God. And now he is uh, pronouncing judgment upon them. Two woes in our verses here uh, tonight. Um, And in both of them, in both of these woes in these verses, Jesus highlights the religious leaders' feeble attempts at fixing their own problems. And we need to pay close attention, special attention, because we're going to realize that we can do the exact same things that they were doing 2,000 years later, halfway around the world, different culture, different time, different space. You know what's the same? Humanity's problem is the same. Our heart problem is the same. So here's, there's two feeble attempts. Here's feeble attempt number one at the religious leaders trying to uh, fix their own problem. They try to clean up the outside part of their life without addressing the inside part of their life. They work really hard at trying to fix the outside without paying attention to the inside. Listen to what Jesus says in uh, verses 25 to 26. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. I get this uh, image that Jesus is using because I see it. I see the truth of it in, in, in my kitchen all the time. Um, both myself and my, my daughter, Sydney, uh, we both have protein shakes every once in a while. Uh, the, the, using the blender, put in the frozen fruit and the yogurt and the protein powder and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Uh, you you blend it up and you pour it into a glass cup and then you drink you drink it and you're good. All the nutrients, all your muscle building power in one shot. Problem though is that when you pour your protein smoothie in a glass cup and you don't rinse it right away, you know what happens? If you've ever had protein shakes, you know what happens. 
in, in, a, in a matter of time, uh, the, the protein residue, it cakes onto the side of the, of the cup on the inside and it begins to it reek. It's, dis- it's disgusting. And we've had that happen from time to time in our house, not to name any names of who the culprit is in our house that does that. But uh, um, I'll let you detectives out there figure out who it was. It wasn't me. So, But here's, here's how this word that Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, how I understand them firsthand is that if I took one of those cups, caked on the inside with, with dry, <laughs> rotten protein shape, how long would it take for me to clean it if I only clean the outside of the cup? How, how much scrubbing would I have to do to, you know, with, with bleach or SOS pads or the, or the, or the finest uh, quality products that you could buy at the supermarket? And I'm just scrubbing and cleaning all the way around, all the way around, not on the inside, just on the outside, all the way around and clean for hours, days. What would happen when I present that cup to you? It would still be filthy. It would still be filthy. And you'd be able to look at it and you, because it's a glass cup, you'd be able to see through it and on the inside how disgusting it is it'd be an exercise in futility it'd be such a vain attempt to clean but the solution is really quite simple right i take the cleaning agent and even just basic no-name brand stuff works and i begin to clean the inside of the cup and as i scrub the inside of the cup it takes a couple seconds and rinse it under the tap and dump it out then you look at it and then what do you see clean it's clean totally clean Here's the application for us. When you look at your life and you look at the problems on the outside, do you understand where the problems are on the, where they really are? They're flowing from our heart on the inside is that you can try as hard as you want to live a moral life or to live a better life. You can work hard at stopping swearing. You can be more generous with your finances. You can try harder to change your outward circumstances, change your job, change, change your friends, change your hobbies, change Clean everything up on the outside. But those changes will not fix the source of your problems. Because those things do absolutely nothing to address the problem that's on the inside. The invisible spiritual stuff that's on the inside in your heart. All those things are the outside of the cup. Imagine for a moment that all your outside issues actually were resolved. (laughs) You got, you got the better job that paid better. All your kids, your kids begin to um, behave perfectly like little princes and princesses all the time. That's amazing. Uh, your medical report comes back all clear. You're, you're healthy. Um, all your relationships, you're, you're, you're reaching success in all your hobbies. Like it's just a utopia out there. Imagine that you could get that for a second in this life. Government was beginning to be judged. Like just everything was good. That still wouldn't be enough to fix you. We think that if we just fix that all, I'd be okay. But you would still find a way to mess things up, even if all those, your wildest dreams were made true. Why? Because the problem is not out there. The problem is in here, inside of us, our hearts. Cleaning up the outside of our life doesn't do the trick. We need the inside cleaned. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees attempted to do. They were just trying to clean the outside of their lives. The funny thing is we attempt the same things today, 2,000 years later. So that's feeble attempt number one. Here's feeble attempt number two. Um, We try to present ourselves as clean to others, even though we are unclean on the inside. We work at appearing clean to others while being unclean on the inside. Here's what Jesus says, uh, Matthew 23, verses 27 to 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are, you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy, and lawlessness. This second feeble attempt at fixing uh, their own problems, really close to the first one that we just looked at, but with a subtle difference. In the first attempt, the scribes and the Pharisees, they actually attempted some cleansing. They were at least trying to fix the problem, but they just didn't 
identify the source of the problem. They were trying to clean themselves, but they were just cleaning the outside and not the inside. In the second attempt, there's no attempt to clean anything. There's no attempt to try to fix anything. The focus is on the presentation, not dealing with the solution. The second feeble attempt to fix our problems is all about appearances. It says, since I can't fix the inside, I'll appear clean on the outside to people while being spiritually unclean and dead on the inside. I'm not going to let anyone see this inside stuff. So here's what you can see. I'm going to put on a facade, a mask, an alternate reality that everyone, I'll let everyone see that. And if they see that, they're going to think that everything is good in, in here. That's what Jesus is using with his illustration of a whitewashed tomb. He said, inside, inside the whitewashed tomb, dead men's bones. Uh, and like the gnat and the camel from a previous woe, um, found in verses 23 and 24, gnats and camels, spiritually unclean uh, things for uh, the people of God to eat in the Old Testament. Dead bodies, spiritually unclean to touch. This is, there's this theme of a spiritual uncleanliness here. And so Jesus said, inside the tomb is spiritual death, spiritual uncleanliness. But on the outside, what do you see? It's not a translucent coffin or tomb. It's opaque and it's white. White, fresh white paint. Keep those tombs looking really nice and clean. Don't look on the inside of them though, but just look how nice they are on the outside. Just stay focused on what the outside looks like. And Jesus told the religious leaders that what that's what they were doing. They were doing the same thing. They were just they were just appearing clean to everyone that came in contact with them. Look how clean we are. Look how washed we are. Look how white we are. But again, don't we do the same thing in our day and age today in our in our culture today? You don't have to look far for examples. Uh, all, all of social media is this, all of it, per- our personal social media, Instagram, Facebook, you got everyone, people snapping now and TikTok and the, and the whole, the whole thing. I've done my own personal kind of poll, unofficial. Uh, and I, and I check off and I go on social media, probably too much, but do you know what I never see? I never see people posting for the world to see, um, their marriages falling apart, um, or them having, uh, breakdowns mentally because uh, their kids are uh, out of control or they're not sharing um, their failures at work or their, or their, or their despair or their regrets. Do you know what they're sharing? Just the good times, just the family portraits where everyone's smiling and you can see the little light ding off the teeth, you know, the Christmas postcard around the tree. Everyone hugging in their, in their sweaters and everyone having a, a good time or days at the beach or, or the highlights or the good stuff. And I'm not that, hey, celebrate the good stuff. But what I'm saying is when you look at social media, you only see the good stuff. You only see the white wash. You don't see what's really going on. You look at celebrities, their lives are jacked up too. You think it's so cool to have millions of dollars and be movie stars. Their lives are falling apart on the inside. Your athletes who are idols and role models, you know, different political figures, anyone that you look up to, any, any, even your neighbors that you look up to or, or, or church members that you look up to, and it all looks good. It's not all good. Reality tells us it's not all good. But that's what social media is. It's a, white, it's a whitewash. Here's what you can see, but I'm not going to take a look at what's on the inside of us. Another place that this takes place is um, in the church lobby. A church, this happens all the time. Um, and here, here's the hypothetical scenario. Everyone's hanging out before or after church, and you have the classic conversation starter. Uh, hey, so how are you doing? How are you doing these days? Tell me what's going on. And what's the answer always in the church lobby? Great. Things are great. Things are, I'm so, I'm so blessed. God is so good. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not, if that is you and you have seasons in your life where that is true of you, I don't want you to make up stories of, of disappointment and, um, you know, anxiety and difficulty, you know, uh, because everyone else is doing it. No, no. If you're having, a, if, if it's good answer, honestly. But my point is that's how 
anybody ever answers only all the time. Like, what are the odds in one church lobby, everyone's life, life is great all the time? Here's something to probably consider. It's not great all the time. We say, we smile, and it's good, and we're blessed, and God is good, and that's all true. But we, we very rarely go and say, you know what? This is what's actually going on in my heart. Can I, can I, can I remove the whitewash for a bit? Can I, can I open it up and let you know what's going on here? Church lobbies are infamous for saying, no, 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 just whitewash. Uh, a very important tip at this point, though. What I'm not advocating for is now everyone to gather together in church functions and everyone just vomit out all of their stuff, all of their, all of the time, twenty four seven. What you probably, what we all, not probably, what we all really need is, you know, a couple of close confidants, a couple of close, like really close friends, trusted friends or mentors, where you have people on a regular basis where you can say, you know what, I got this going on in my heart, and I need to, I need to share it. Things look good on the outside. But I need, I need to share what's going on here. Can you, can you know me at this level? I got to do this with, uh, with Pastor Jeff. Uh, yesterday we were hanging out. At the end of our time, I just said, hey, can I just talk to you about a couple of things going on in my life right now? And I got to just bear those things with him and, and let him, you know, speak into my life and bring me counsel and, and pray for me. And we desperately need that. Why? Because we have problems on the inside of us always. And pretending like there's no problem doesn't make the problems go away. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they appeared nice on the outside. But inside, they were spiritually dead. And we can do the same thing today, 2,000 years later, if we're not aware of it. So those are the two woes from Jesus in these verses. In verses 25 to 28, they identify two feeble attempts to fix our heart problems while doing nothing to actually fix our heart problems. We can try to clean the outside or we can just put up appearances. That's what, those are feeble, feeble attempts that do nothing well. Now we get to get to some good stuff. I'm going to give you the solution to humanity's problem, to humanity's inside heart problems. Back in our verse, in verse 26, in Matthew 23, Jesus says this. Here's the solution, guys. You're cleaning the outside. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to clean the, verse 26, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. We need our hearts fixed. We need the inside of our life cleansed, healed. We need it made new. We need forgiveness for the things that our heart has produced in our life. We need a cleansed heart that starts producing something other than sin. That's what we we need. And Jesus says, just clean the inside. And I would retort with, easier said than done, Jesus. If it was so simple, everyone would just fix themselves, wouldn't they? We would read the next self-help book and we would just... Take it and just clean clean the insides of us. The problem is, not a small problem, but a big problem, is that it's actually impossible for us to clean ourselves spiritually on the inside. We can't. So what do we do? What do we do? This is where Jesus comes in. And this is why Jesus is so incredible and so amazing. It's the gospel. What Jesus came to do to make unclean people clean, to make people who have broken, unclean hearts, to have new, clean, life-producing hearts. This is what he came to do. It's the gospel. Jesus came to make us clean on the inside. When Jesus came, he had, and still has, a perfectly clean heart. His heart never produced the stuff that we read earlier. It never produced anger, murder, uh, lust, these things. It wasn't in him. Nothing unclean ever came out of Jesus. Why? Well, it's because Jesus was, wasn't born like you and I were born. He wasn't born into sin like you and I were born. We inherited an unclean heart, but Jesus was born a miraculous virgin birth, bypassing the inheritance process that we all inherited, tracing all the way back to Adam and Eve. Jesus wasn't born in that line. He was born of the Holy Spirit. And so he didn't inherit an unclean heart, and Jesus lived a clean life. At the end of his clean life, you know what Jesus did? He traded his clean life up, and he gave it up in place of and for our unclean, all of humanity's unclean, sin-tainted lives. 
He died on a cross, his life for ours. He was buried and he rose to new life on the third day. And anyone, anyone who comes to this risen Jesus by faith, recognizing the brokenness and and the problem on the inside of them, and they come to Jesus by faith, they receive a cleansing of their sins and a cleansing of their heart, a spiritual cleansing that takes place on the inside. You get cleaned on the inside when you come to Jesus. Jesus gave us a physical example of his cleansing power in his earthly ministry. It's like a, li- a living parable in some miracles that he did often. Uh, lepers, there's no cure for leprosy in Jesus' day. And you can tell that people were, had leprosy because you could see they're, they're dis- they were disformed. But everywhere they went, what did they have to scream? Unclean. They had to cover their mouth and say, unclean, unclean. People couldn't touch them. They were unclean. You couldn't be around a leper. One particular leper comes up to Jesus and says to Jesus, Lord, if you will, means if you desire to do it, if you will, you have the ability, if you will, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus say to him? I will be clean. He touched him. And where did the leprosy go? I don't know where it went, but it didn't stay on the leper. It was gone, completely cleansed. A touch of Jesus is all that you need to be made clean on the of leprosy. But I said that's a living parable. When you come spiritually unclean and broken and you come to Jesus and you confess and you agree with him that there is a problem on the inside. You say, Jesus, I'm unclean on the inside, but I believe in who you are. I believe in your life, your death and resurrection. And Lord Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And if you come to him, you know what Jesus will say to you? I will be clean and he'll touch you. And on the inside of your life will be made clean. Clean. There's more though. There's always more with Jesus. It's so good. Jesus not only comes and touches people on the inside and makes us clean by faith on the inside new. He gives us a spiritual promise of cleansing power. We had an example of a physical example of of physically cleaning the leper. But Jesus says, an incredible promise to all who trust in him. We don't just get cleansed when we come to Jesus, but we're given a new source of cleansing power that flows from within us. Jesus promises and then he gives us the Holy Spirit of God. God himself comes to live inside of us. When you come to Jesus by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit. The power that rose Christ from the dead and gave life to his physical body, that power comes to live inside of you to resurrect you and to give life to your spiritual dead body. Jesus pointed ahead to this reality while he was ministering earlier in his life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, listen to the promise of Jesus. Uh, It says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Water satisfies our thirst, definitely. Living water satisfies our deepest thirst. But you know what else water does? It cleanses. It cleanses us. And the Holy Spirit comes uh, into us and it comes out of us. Does it sat? Does he satisfy us? Yes. But he's making us spiritually clean on the inside. God in us, the cleansing agent, cleansing our heart from the inside spiritually. If you are a Christian, then you have had this experience already. You've been spiritually clean on the inside by faith in Jesus. And you have the ever abiding cleansing power continually cleansing you. If you're not yet a Christian, you still need to have this experience in your life. You need it desperately. And so that's point three, giving you the solution to humanity's problems. And the the solution is always Jesus. But that's how he comes in to clean our hearts. Now, final point here and wrap up really quick. I'm going to troubleshoot a problem. What do we do? If we've received the solution of Jesus, but we recognize that I still have 
problems in my, in my life that were there before I became a Christian. If I still have things happening in my life, things that I'm even doing as a Christian that reflect my old pre-Christian life, but don't reflect the fact now that God lives in me. I'm still, I have a new heart. I have a clean heart, but I'm still doing spiritually dirty stuff. Is it, did, some, did something break? Is there something off kilter? We've got we've to troubleshoot it because this is going to be, this is true of every single Christian. When you receive Christ, we're still going to be doing things that we used to do that we shouldn't do any longer at times. Let's make sense of this really quick. So what do we do? Um, I'm going to give you an illustration of what happens to a Christian. It hit me this, this week. Christians are like, are, from the time that we became a Christian, believed in Jesus until, until, we, until we die and go to see him or until we get raptured. Whatever happens in this time uh, reminded me of a scene in a movie, uh, Iron Man, the first one. Okay? Christians, the Christian life is like a particular scene in Iron Man, the scene where Tony Stark becomes Iron Man and learns how to function with this new power that he has. Because here's what happens. Tony Stark, regular old guy, genius, billionaire, producing lots of tech, has a big accident. You watch the movie. Um, shrapnel gets in his heart. And he's going he's gonna to die. So he creates and concocts this thing called an arc reactor. This little circle thing. Have you seen the movie? That's the thing that's glowing. Puts it in him and it keeps his life going. It's a, it's a power source that's like infinitely more powerful than the human heart. And, and it's a, an incredible source of power, but it's now on the inside of him. It's just keeping him alive, but it could do way more than just keep him alive. And he, and he figures this out really quick. And so what, is, what does he do? He begins to build tech. And he starts building like these pieces that are going to end up being, um, being Iron Man. But as he's in the lab building them, and he's trying them out. What happens? For, the, for, the, for a long time, it's just disaster. He's trying to fly. He puts the button and he just throws himself into a wall. He's just getting ragdolled all over the place as he's, he's learning. He has this incredible power that's inside of him now. But now he's learning to, to have the outside of his life lined up to live consistently aligned with the inside. And it's rocky. It's a rocky process to get to get the outside conformed to the way that it is on the inside. The power is always there, but it's like a baby giraffe trying to walk. You're, you're trying to get your, your bearings when you first come out, and you're falling, and you're slipping, and, you're, and you, it takes some time to learn how to live consistently and in line with that power. And the same is true in the Christian life. The moment that you become a Christian, God comes inside of you. Something infinitely more powerful than a made-up arc reactor. The Holy Spirit is in you. New heart cleansed you. Infinite power to empower you to love God and to know God and to obey God. But do we do that right away? Perfectly? None of us do. Do you know what we do? With the power in us, we're still making mistakes. We're still in the lab. We're still getting ragdolled from time time to time. We're still unlearning old patterns of thought, old practices, and and relearning, learning for the first time new ways to live that are consistent and in line with this presence and this power within us. And it's going to take a lifetime, guys. We're going to continually trip and make mistakes as we learn to bring our life in alignment with this God who now lives inside of us. But when you make, when you or I make a mistake, that's all that's happening. We're just not, we're not, we haven't mastered yet learning how to live according to the spirit that's in us. That's why we need to learn the Bible. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to have our mind transformed. That's why we need to do all these things. But that's why we make a mistake. That's why we make mistakes in our Christian life. It's not because God's not in us. This is that we've, are like newborn infants, are learning how to walk as children of God. So when you make a mistake, Christian, you're still in that learning curve, in that learning process. So what do we do when we make mistakes as Christians? What do we do then? If I've already received this one-time cleansing from Jesus, and then new heart, new desires, but then I keep sinning, what do I do when those new sins come into my, my life? This really, really simple. I keep coming to Jesus like I did the very first time. 
When I came to him for the first time, I had a total cleansing come over me. I was born again, the Bible says, new heart, new desires, new power. But when I make a mistake as a Christian, I just keep coming to him. It's called repentance. Repentance marks the beginning of a Christian's life following Jesus. You have to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus when you become a Christian. But as a Christian, our life needs to be marked by repentance because as Christians, we make choices that don't honor the Lord. We do things that don't honor him. And then what do we do when that happens? We don't have to get saved again. We don't have to get that whole born again situation happening every time, moment by moment, day by day, every day. We just simply confess our sins and say, God, I walked out of bounds. You're in me. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. But I made a mistake. I chose this sin and I'm confessing it. And will you just, will you wash that away and the effects of that away? Will you wash me? And he just says, yes. And as often as you need to come to God as a Christian, you just continually come to him. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing in the life of a Christian. Repent. Continue to confess and repent. The gospel gospel writer, John, the apostle, uh, tells believers what they need to do when we pick up junk along the way, when we make mistakes as Christians along the way. He says this in uh, 1 John Chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... As Christians, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And there is this word again, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the Apostle John is saying, brothers and sisters, children, Christians, when you sin, just confess it and come. And there's a continual cleansing. Don't lie and pretend that there's nothing wrong in you. Even as a Christian, we're working things out. Come to him over and over and over. Recap, guys. Okay. Our problem, not out here. Where's our problem? You bring the problem detector and it beeps really fast when you bring it right here. Our hearts, not the organ, not the physical blood pumping organ, uh, the spiritual person of who we are, the seat of our emotions, of our will, the inside of us. And we can't fix this by by these two feeble attempts. We can't fix the outside circumstances and expect that to affect the inside. And I can't just play games and pretend like it's okay and hope that that's going to be enough to cover what's really going on in me. I need to get that work done on the inside. There's a solution. Praise God there is. And his name is Jesus. And he will make you clean. You come to him in faith and you give him your life. You will cleanse it all. But give him your your life. Jesus is a one-time fix that also needs continual cleansing. New heart but we still make mistakes as we learn to walk in this Christian life. When you scuff your knee, when you fall, when you make a mistake, just come back to Jesus again and again and again, and he'll continue to wash and wash and wash. The call for uh, our friends who are watching, who are unbelievers, you, 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 you haven't made a decision in your life to turn over your entire life to Jesus, to repent of your sin and to trust in him and his death and his resurrection from the dead. My call is simple to you tonight, friend. Come to Jesus tonight. Stop trying to fix yourself. Stop trying to pretend like everything's okay. Give him your broken heart and he will cleanse it and make it new. Trust in him and yield your entire life over to him. Do that tonight, I pray. And then for Christians, apply this to your life, I pray. Understand who you were before you became a Christian. I hope this helps explain what happened as you became a Christian, but also shed some light on on why we have hardships and struggles as Christians. And just come to him continually, brother and sister, to be cleansed. Now, some of you watching this may need to do this now. In the quiet of your heart, you know that there's something in your life that's unclean, that's not pleasing to the Lord. Bring that to him. Bring it to him. He's not going to chastise you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to cleanse you. Confess and repent in your heart now to him, and he will do that. And then, I said that on the front end. When you're learning these things and you're loving people, help people see these truths and these realities. Our problems are on the inside. Help people see this and help people see Jesus by telling them, what he will do for them. Let me pray. Pray with me. Father, I pray that uh, that we wouldn't treat what we've learned here tonight like a parallelogram. 
that it would become, it would be useless information to us in our life. I pray the total opposite, Lord. I pray that this, even now, as, as I'm speaking, as people are hearing your word and your truth, Lord, that lives are transformed, that people are raising their hands all over in their heart saying, Lord, I want to be made clean. I want it so bad. Come, Lord, and have my heart, have your way. I pray, Lord, that you minister to people right now, the spiritually hungry, the spiritually thirsty, the spiritually unclean of us who are watching right now, who, who believe by faith that you will do what you promised to do. Forgive us and give us a new heart and give us the Holy Spirit. Do that ministry work, I pray, Lord. Do it, we pray. Do it, we pray. And help us spread the good news of this, that our God loves sinners. And he will take us and he will clean us. Glorify your name in this, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for taking this time to listen and be in the Word of God with us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you need to go to our website, mynewhope.ca, right now. When you get there, you'll see a graphic on our homepage that says, The Gospel. Click on that and you'll be able to watch a short video where we share the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's more important than whatever else you're doing right now. So stop whatever else you're doing. Go to mynewhope.ca and click on the gospel. If God has blessed you through this message, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at info at mynewhope.ca and let us know how God has impacted your life through his word. If you're in the greater Vancouver area, I want to invite you personally to come and be a part of New Hope Church. We believe God is doing something real special as we grow together in our faith and love for Jesus, and we would love you to be a part of it. And finally, if you'd like to support the Bible teaching ministry of New Hope through financial giving, you can also do that through our website. Just go to mynewhope.ca slash give. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being in the Word of God with us. And always remember, God is with you.